In today's show, I'm going to be joined by Matt Moore of Locked On Nuggets to talk about the Denver Nuggets and the upcoming season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. All right, so let's uh, let's bring him in now. We are here with one of the hosts of the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Matt Moore is joining me here. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, man. It's good to have you here. We're going to talk about this Nuggets team, which didn't undergo huge amounts of change in the offseason. A couple of changes to some of the reserves, but of course, it is a uh, the beginning of the season without Jamal Murray, who was yeah, and would have been predicted to be the starting point guard again this season, but he won't be there to begin the year. So let's just start things off with your predicted starting five, opening night, assuming no injuries from now until the start of the year for the Denver Nuggets. So I think Monte Morris probably gets the start. Faku Campazzo started uh, in the playoffs late in the year when Morris was was out, and then Morris came back and Campazzo continued to start. But by the end of the first-round series versus the Blazers, Morris had retaken that job. He's a better player. He's more balanced. He's got better chemistry with... Nikola Jokic, he's able to manage the floor better. He can shoot better off the dribble. So I would imagine that Morris starts the season at point guard. If for any reason they want to go ahead and keep him coming off the bench, it wouldn't surprise me if Austin Rivers actually got the nod over Campazzo for the starting spot. But let's assume Morris starts the season. Uh, Will Barton slides in at two. Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. I think are interchangeable at three and four. Um, Your forward spots and the league are more mixed than ever. And I think that certainly offensively Porter plays a lot more of four and Gordon kind of plays a little bit more of three, honestly. And then defensively, they kind of switch that around depending on what the matchup is to hide Porter more effectively. Uh, and then at center, some dude named Nikola Jokic goes ahead and takes that spot. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone's going to be taking that spot from him. So uh, yeah, that's, that's their starting five. Again, really the only, I guess, pressure point there is who would be the starting point guard? I agree with you that I think it will be Monty Morris that, that starts there alongside Barton, Gordon, Porter, and Jokic in that starting five. In terms of a uh, bench rotation, Matt, like a, a regular you know, five or five-man bench guy to have a 10-man rotation, who do you think is getting those uh, minutes mainly? This is where it gets really tough. Uh, let's go ahead and slide Composo into the rotation. Let's go ahead and yep. say that he's going to get some minutes. I think that that's likely. Jamichael Green and Jeff Green will definitely pick up the reserve minutes as of right now, the nuggets don't really have a backup center. They're going with small ball options with green and green, probably interchangeably at the four and five spots coming off the bench. Uh, PJ Dozier, whether the nice thing about PJ Dozier is he can play point guard. He can play shooting guard. He can play small forward. And he has played at different spots, all three in previous seasons with the nuggets. They still have a lot of confidence in him, I expect him to be in the rotation. So we're already at nine. 
Uh, you asked me to go ahead and put this in, and, and I included Austin Rivers as the 10th guy just from the perspective of having another guard that could shoot. If you say that Dozier is a three and Jamichael and Jeff Green are interchangeably four and fives, it makes sense that they would need another kind of combo guard with Rivers. I will say that Bones Highland wouldn't shock me to see him get some run depending on how he does. It also wouldn't surprise me if Bones spent the majority of the season in Grand Rapids with the G League team, uh, new G League team for the Nuggets, the gold. So um, if I have to go 10 man, I'll go outside of the top five, Composo, Jamichael Green, Jeff Green, PJ Dozier and Austin Rivers until Jamal Murray returns. Yeah, Murray. We'll get to Murray in a second. Um, that's that's sort of how I think it's going to go as well. Now I did a, a fantasy related show more for the Nuggets earlier today, and I was talking about Bones Highland and his ability to yeah, generate his own shot and be that yeah creative um, guy that can yeah, pull up threes. If that all comes around, I think there is a real hole for him or a real zone there that he can fit into this rotation because yeah, Doja's not really that huge self creation guy. Campazzo is definitely not that guy. Yeah, Morris isn't that in comparison to what Jamal Murray. Was would do in that area. So if, if Highland shows that he's got you know, capability to at least hold up defensively, I could see him slotting in there, whether that's over Dozier or over Rivers at some point, having some creation, three-point shooting, spot up and pull-up ability. If he shows, again, some even some of what he showed at Summer League, I think there is a real spot for him there if he can uh, prove to Michael Malone. We know Michael Malone needs you to show that he you can do something defensively. If he can do something there, I think there is a, there is a definite need for what Highland can bring. Yeah, the interesting thing with young guys, there's this perception that Michael Malone doesn't play rookies, which I think is interesting because he played two of them pretty significant minutes last season in R.J. Hampton and Zeke Najee, who I think Najee's another guy that probably works his way into this rotation. They're very high on him. They hyped him up in the, you know, right after the season as a guy that was going to take a step forward. Didn't look awesome in summer league in terms of his on-ball production, but did what they wanted, which was he looks bigger and he looks better defensively. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Zeke Najee in this rotation. This is one of the things with the Nuggets is that even without Murray, they are exceptionally deep. They have a lot of guys to try and get minutes for, and I think it's going to be a challenge. I think Bones Highland may wind up being one of those guys. Essentially, if you, I will say this. If you come into training camp with the right approach and you absolutely bust your ass and show to Malone that you're somebody that he can trust not to make devastating mistakes, that you're focused and work hard, he will go ahead and reward you with minutes. He did it with RJ Hampton because he appreciated his approach and he did it with Najee last season. Now, some of that was exacerbated by injury, but even beyond that, I do think that if you show the right things to Malone, he is willing to go ahead and give rotation spots. If no, for no other reason, then it allows his veteran starters to get a little bit more rest for the playoffs. Yeah, that, that is true. Like those minutes that Hampton and Najee got last year, like that's it's you just need to be able to show that you can do what he needs done in the scheme and to be able to show a level of defensive aptitude. And if Highland can do that, there is a, a real spot there. But before we get on to talking more about the Nuggets, Matt, Sweatblock is a doctor-created, doctor-recommended antiperspirant product that if anyone that listens to this or knows anyone in their life that suffers from excessive sweating, hyperhidrosis, this is the product that you need. Sweatblock wipes, you get them, you, you wipe them on before you go to bed, under your arms, have a sleep, get up the next day, have a wash, and these last up to seven days. You might have to put them on twice a week, but these are stronger than the, the strongest clinical antiperspirants that you can find. Been tested on firefighters as well as you may have seen on the Rachel Ray Show. They've been around for a while, but you can now get them 20% off by using our promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. They're also available at Amazon. They're available at CVS as well. 
No more do you have to put up with embarrassing uh, sweat stains on your shirt or worry about what kind of shirt you're going to wear because the, you know you have that problem. Sweatblock is the answer to those needs. Sweatblock.com and the promo code is locked on. And if you are also a hiring manager, I've got just the answer for you here as well because if you're looking for that perfect candidate for a job opening, Indeed is the place to go. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skills tests to help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills that you need. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Matt. The Nuggets aren't looking to hire a new point guard because they do have their franchise point guard. Unfortunately, he's not going to be available to play to begin this season. Jamal Murray tore his ACL. I've already speculated on my earlier show when I think he's going to be back. Best case, worst case scenario. What is your thought process or what you've heard about a target for Jamal Murray to return this season? So I will go ahead and say that I have not heard anything in regards to the team has not told me like, "Mm, we expect him back X. I think a lot of it is that these things are oftentimes useless when you try and ask this far out. Um, You, they could tell me like, well, we think I would imagine they would tell me around all-star break. That's when I've circled is after all-star break. They have a road game against the Kings and then they have a a one game home game. And then they're on the road again. I would expect either on the road versus the Kings or in the first game back at home after the all-star break is a pretty likely spot for Murray. Uh, the range, I think, is the beginning of February. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Murray came back that early. A lot of that is based off of, in my experience, when I was doing aggregation at CBS documenting these types of injuries, much of what would happen with ACL injuries is it really comes down to not the injury and not the person. It's how you attack the rehab. Now, you can overly attack the rehab and come back early, and it leads to worse long-term effects for you or re-injury. That's absolutely a concern. However, um, I think some guys are better suited for returning for on-court play or fighting through injuries, and some guys are better suited for rehab. Rehab's always tough. Like it's a anybody that's had surgery. Oh, it's, it's lonely. Brutal. It's so lonely. It's it's lonely and it's brutal and it's mentally very difficult. However, Murray, because of the way that he's trained, like he's focused on meditation and he's focused on real mental toughness and focus through everything. And he's very single-minded in that. And he also is an obsessive workaholic when it comes to the game. So I tend to put his recovery time a little bit earlier than I would for other players that were in the same spot or position. I think that's likely that he returns a little bit ahead of schedule rather than later. Uh, it's definitely possible. He could suffer a step, a step, step back, setback rather. Um, and that would probably keep him out into late March and possibly threaten the playoffs. But I do think the most likely scenario is that he's back sometime in the month of February between the beginning of the of the month uh, and immediately after All-Star. Yeah, standard ACL timeframe is usually 10 to 12 months. Now, he tore it in March in 2021. So you know, 12 months is March. 
mid early February, we're talking that 10, 10 and a half month type range. And again, all-star break is I think probably the right area for his, his return. And then he's got a two month ramp up period before the playoffs start to get him back in terms of getting used to game speed, um, getting his minutes up, getting his conditioning back, getting the flow of the team back and working through to the playoffs. And you just hope that the rest of the team that they've got is good enough to keep them in a pretty strong spot until he returns in that near February, March period of the season. Um, Let's have a look at what else we've got to talk about here. A couple more questions for you. Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray, Nicole Jokic, they've been the one-two punch for a few years. Porter has you know, played two seasons now. He is that guy that was the third offensive option, but now he has to step up and I think be, I don't think there's really any other choice. He has to become really that number two guy. I suppose Will Barton, there's an, he's never met a shot that he doesn't want to take, but Porter is going to have to be that guy that has to assume that he is the second star. It's Porter and Jokic now, not Murray and Jokic as, as he returns. Is he ready to do that? For the regular season, I think so. He struggled in the playoffs when teams were able to put a high level of physicality against him. Regular season, teams just don't have it. They don't teams don't adhere to scouting reports. They don't do pre really in-depth pre-scouting on guys. And so there's not game plans for MPJ teams that have been in spots that they really need to get a win have taken that approach and really removed him from the game. So he'll struggle in some of those instances. Uh, I do expect him to come back, however, at a higher level. Um, he said before he left for the summer and he has been in the gym in Denver working with the assistant coaches that his handle was a big priority for him. It was very loose in the playoffs. And you could tell, tell that the, both the Blazers and the Suns took advantage of that. He intends on tightening that up. As his handle gets tighter, this is a 6'10", 50, 40, 90 shooter. Like that's the, at his base level, that's who he is. That's why through all of his struggles and his mistakes and all of the back and forth with him and Michael Malone through his rookie season and all of his ups and downs last year, whenever I was asked, should the Nuggets trade Michael Porter? My answer was always, no, you can't. And they would say, well, why? Because you pointed out all his defensive liabilities and all these issues. And my response was, because he's a 6'10", 50, 40, 90 shooter. And he's just, those kind of guys are exceptionally rare. Um, he has the capacity to evolve into, if you told me that Michael Porter Jr. made an all-star team this season, I would not be shocked. If you told me that he was on the outs again and there was talk of possibly trading him and that he was in a funk, I wouldn't be shocked with that either the window is very wide for him but i do think that ultimately in the regular season i think he's figured out how to play he's efficient the numbers speak for themselves um he's able to rebound more effectively he they will do more the other thing is that because of covid and the way that the season was condensed the team had no real way to reorganize the offense after Jamal Murray went down the camp from my understanding a big priority is going to be okay how do we get to when Jamal's back like we have to figure out a way to get Aaron Gordon more involved and Michael Porter more involved and that means running more sets for both of them Porter will have more opportunities to create with the ball in his hands and I think that that will probably go pretty well I would expect a pretty big season from him statistically the questions are going to be do teams figure him out defensively and is the impact like it has been those are real questions but I do think production wise Porter set up for a pretty big, pretty big season. He's a guy that I talked about in my earlier show that he hit 45% of his threes last year. And yeah, expecting that is, you, you can't go into a season going, I expect him to hit 45% of his threes. But even if there is somewhat of a decrease in that efficiency, his usage and his minutes will probably both increase. 
as this as this season goes on, and he's just going to you know, if he averages twenty points per season, I don't think that's an outrageous expectation. That that's almost baseline expectation for what I think that he should be doing on this team for this year, at least in the you know, first four months of the season before Murray returns. I expect some pretty big stuff there. Now you mentioned in terms of getting into a funk and you know, reports of you know, clashing with with Mike, Michael Malone. Now he had two absences due to COVID last season. Porter did. Um, is there any? And, and there's been you know, concerns with him at, at times in, in reports, and I don't know how much of it's just is an easy pylon target, but is there any friction with him and other teammates? Because the, the, the team often just appears to be really, really tight. And then Porter just always seems to me, from an outside perspective, that he's sort of on the periphery of that team. Is there any concern with that? No, I think your perception's a little off. Okay. I don't mean to be all roses and, and rainbows about the Nuggets. I, I host the podcast, but I'm not from here. I'm not a Nuggets fan. Um, the kind of contrast is that when you talk to the players and the limited chances that we've been able to over the last 18 months, um, their praise is pretty effusive. I think his relationship with Jokic tends to wax and wane because they're very different players. And I think that Jokic struggles sometimes with the mistakes that he makes in terms of with Jokic on the floor, you play a very high level of basketball and MPJ is a lot more comfortable in a very simplistic style of basketball, which is you get him the ball and he gets you a bucket. Um, but I think Jamichael Green, Will Barton has been effusive in his praise of the kid since day one. Before Porter got on the court, when he was rehabbing his rookie season from his injuries, he he and Porter were engaged in a pretty serious shooting contest after practice one day. And I hung around and, and was talking to Will about it. And Will was like, did you see that kid? Like, do you have any idea what that kid's capable of? He, he does this every single night in the gym. Even when Barden was advocating for a starting spot for himself, he still made it clear that it wasn't that he didn't feel that MPJ deserved it. He just wanted, he just felt he deserved it too. So um, I think that like Paul Millsap once had a really great quote about MPJ. It was before uh, M- MPJ's first like real rookie season, that second season after his first year when he re- rehabbed. And we asked Paul Mills have about him. And Paul said, yeah, no, it's exciting. I'm really excited to see if he's as good as he says he is. <laughs> and that, that I think is kind of telling where Mike's just an extremely confident, brash young man. And that the veterans are, are always kind of like, I think rolling their eyes a little bit about, but then they know what he's capable of and they are excited for him. I don't think that he's, the most beloved figure, but I think it's one of those things like, um, if you pardon my language, like, yeah, he's kind of an asshole. He's our asshole. And that I think is kind of how it goes. I don't think he's disruptive. I don't think, I just think he's extremely confident the way a lot of young men in his position are. And he knows what he's capable of. And he's always believed that he was capable of a lot. Last year, I thought was a real learning point for him. Um, There was a point versus the Celtics where he'd struggled all season. The team looked like there was like, he was just on the outside of it and didn't fit in with any of it. They couldn't play five on five with him. It was, it was looking really rough. And there was a point in a Celtics game where he just had like the worst imaginable moment. And to me, I was really curious to see how he was going to respond to that because guys that have been told that they are amazing and awesome and God's gift to basketball their entire lives sometimes get to that moment and they break and they don't recover. And instead MPJ broke out, recovered, and then wound up having an absolutely phenomenal end of the season. That to me was like the first basketball adversity I think he's faced outside of injury. And when he did that, uh, it showed, I think, a lot of what 
his basketball character is and how focused and how great, honestly, his natural talent is that he's always going to be able to overcome whatever obstacles are in the way because he's just that good. On a scale of one to Michael Porter Jr., Matt, how confident are you in fixing your own car? Mm. Uh, I would say that I am a solid Jamichael Green. I can probably <laughs> do it, but I know my limitations. I'm probably... Um... Oh, let's let's Paco Composo, where you can't reach above the hood. Yeah, maybe. I'm. Uh, I, I can. Height's not my issue. I'm more of a uh, Vlaco Chancha uh, level of uh, do it do it yourself. But that doesn't matter because if if you can fix your own car, Rock Auto is the place that you need to go to get those parts for your car. Don't waste your time going to a local chain auto parts store where you have to wait in line. Talk to the bloke behind the counter, and all he's going to do is go on the computer and order those parts from you know the only brand that his warehouse happens to carry. You've got access to Rock Auto, and you've got a full spectrum of just like the Nuggets Rainbow of parts available for your car. So rockauto.com, you don't need to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts. Just log in, rockauto.com, find the parts you need, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, Rock Auto has you covered. So go rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And in the how did you hear about us box, right, locked on so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Next question. I talked about this already, so just a quick one here. Oh, actually, I don't even need to talk about it. My question was going to be, can Bones Highland find a rotation role? But we have touched on that already, Matt. No point duplicating. And the last question, Nikola Jokic. Last season, he took big steps forward, obviously. We know that he is the MVP. We know he's the reigning MVP, but he took big steps forward in his overall efficiency last year. It did start to drop off towards the end of the year. Now, he is going to have to, without Jamal Murray, take on a little bit of a larger role as well. Can he maintain that level of efficiency that he was you know, putting up for most of last season at that high of a level and not wear down with the extra responsibility without having his his second banana with him for the majority of the year? I think a lot of it depends on Porter. And the reason I say that is for much of the season, uh, Jokic was absolutely tearing teams up with his passing. And so teams would have to double team because of Jokic's scoring efficiency. And when they did, he would absolutely annihilate them. It's like blitzing Patrick Mahomes. You just do not do it. Um, as the season went on and particularly after Murray went down, because you didn't have that two man game option, you're now in a spot where teams decided, okay, look, Jokic is going to score 30. He's going to have to do it in the post. Don't foul him. Jokic draws fouls at an absolutely pitiful rate for an MVP candidate, whether you think that that's his physicality, which I think is kind of questionable, or just that he doesn't really get a really good whistle, which he just, in my opinion, does not. He just doesn't get a good whistle for being an MVP candidate. Um, there's a way to drag his efficiency down. You can basically live with a 30-point Jokic game if you contain his assists to seven or less-ish. You can't give up the 35-15 game. You can't give up the 25-15 game. But you can very much survive a 32-6 and six game from Jokic because of the amount of firepower the remaining Nuggets have. Unless MPJ steps up and really takes that step forward. If you have a two-man game with Porter being able to shoot off the dribble because his handle improves and able to pass a little bit better to Jokic out of the pick and roll. Now, all of a sudden, Jokic doesn't have to be the primary hub on every single possession. And it means that it allows a lot more opportunities to get the defense in rotation. And once you're in rotation, Jokic is going to find a high percentage opportunity. Um, the percentage of which his passes turn into assists is just absolutely ridiculous. The efficiency on those passes is absolutely absurd. But you do have to get the defense in rotation. So I think a lot of it is... 
if MPJ takes that step forward, I think Jokic is going to be back in the MVP conversation. If MPJ kind of stalls out, the Nuggets don't have the kind of guard depth that they need to be able to provide a, a counter option to get the opponent thinking about anything else. And they'll, they will start to replicate that game plan more and more versus Jokic. I think that's really the, the determining factor. It's not even so much how the rest of the Nuggets perform because Jokic will always still get them high percentage opportunities to a certain degree, but Porter has to put enough pressure on the defense with the ball in his hands to open up the opportunity for Jokic to be the MVP that he was last season. All right, I'm going to throw a quick last bonus question in here, Matt, before I let you go, um, because we had that duplicate Bones Highland question in there. Aaron Gordon came across trade deadline. Um, I wouldn't say he performed at an exceptionally high level. He was playing again, you know, like 27, 26, 28 minutes a night, like not high level minutes. How much of that do you think is just joining a team mid-season and that now we've got the full preseason training camp with him there? Are we expecting him to improve or is just that how Malone will continue to use him? I think it's an interesting question because he shot, he was shooting 40% from three in Orlando before the trade. And like he had good seasons and bad seasons and they fell off a cliff when he got to Denver. It was very obvious that they just hadn't worked him in. They had really just about two sets that they had really to feature him in primary actions. I think we'll probably see more of that. I'm expecting an uptick in Gordon, but Gordon also to his credit is really kind of leaned into what he's been asked to do with Denver. He likes playing winning basketball. He likes being on a team that's actually good. And he knows that they brought him in to defend and to make cuts and to do the little things and help rebound and things like that. I think his overall production may spike, but I don't expect any sort of big jump with him in terms of scoring, Um, especially because I still think that he'll be reliant upon him hitting threes. And at this point, I can't feel confident in saying like, yeah, I expect Aaron Gordon to have a bounce back season from three. I just think it's too random. It could be a good season. It could not be. He's inconsistent. And that's what he's been for most of his career. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't have any trust in that, but it might happen. It might not. He does it in stretches. Then he has you know, 24% stretches of shooting from three as well. Matt, you're going to cover everything for us over on Locked On Nuggets with Adam throughout the season. Thanks for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball to discuss the uh, Nuggets as we head into 2021-2022. Thanks for having me. I always love coming on with you, man. And that'll do it for us today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube as well. If you're watching here, give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Mock draft coming tomorrow, guys. Don't be, uh, don't make sure, not not don't make sure, absolutely make sure that you don't miss. That's the phrase I'm looking for. Don't miss the mock draft tomorrow, guys. I'm tired. We're done. I'll see you later. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.